I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading Acts chapters 24 through 26. This is the New King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. In chapter 24, Paul states his case to Felix, verse 1. Now after five days, Ananias the high priest came down with the elders and a certain orator named Tertullus. They gave evidence to the governor against Paul. And when he was called upon, Tertullus began his accusation, saying, Seeing that through you we enjoy great peace and prosperity is being brought to this nation by your foresight, we accepted always and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. Nevertheless, not to be tedious to you any further, I beg you to hear by your courtesy a few words from us. For we have found this man a plague, a creator of dissension among all the Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, and we seized him, and wanted to judge him according to our law. But the commander, Lysias, came by, and with great violence took him out of our hands, commanding his accusers to come to you. By examining him yourself, you may ascertain all these things of which we accuse him. And the Jews also assented, maintaining that these things were so. Then Paul, after the governor had nodded to him to speak, answered, Inasmuch as I know that you have been for many years a judge of this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself, because you may ascertain that it is no more than twelve days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. And they neither found me in the temple disputing with anyone, nor inciting the crowd, either in the synagogues or in the city, nor can they prove the things of which they now accuse me. But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men." Now, after many years, I came to bring alms and offerings to my nation, in the midst of which some Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple, neither with a mob nor with tumult. They ought to have been here before you to object if they had anything against me, or else let those who are here themselves say if they found any wrongdoing in me while I stood before the council. Unless it is for this one statement which I cried out standing among them concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged by you this day. But when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, When Lysias the commander comes down, I will make a decision on your case. So he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide for or visit him. And after some days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. 
Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given him by Paul that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. But after two years, Porcius Festus succeeded Felix, and Felix, wanting to do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. Well, Paul was arrested in Jerusalem because of the testimony of very angry Jews, those who objected to Paul's ministry to the Jews and the Gentiles. That's recorded back in Acts chapter 21. He had an opportunity to present his case before the Sanhedrin, but he failed to win any support there. As a matter of fact, they tried to have him assassinated before he could even be transported by the Romans out of Jerusalem, but their plot failed. That's recorded in Acts chapter 23. At this point in Acts 24, he's been transported away from Jerusalem by the Roman officials. In Caesarea, which is about 60 miles northwest of Jerusalem, Felix has sent for Paul's accusers. Upon their arrival, Paul appears before him for a hearing. The high priest Ananias brings a mouthpiece, Tertullus, the attorney, to represent their case. He basically presents the case that Paul is one to stir up insurrection among the Jews wherever he goes. It is with a precise choice of words that Tertullus refers to Paul's doctrine as that of the sect of the Nazarenes. Now, the Greek word for sect here is heresis. If you look at the word, it's our transliterated word, heresy. The Luanida Greek lexicon defines this word as follows, and I quote, a division or group based upon different doctrinal opinions and or loyalties enhanced by implication in certain contexts, an unjustified party or group applicable in the New Testament to religious parties. So, literally, Tertullus is accusing Paul here of bringing another religion into the Jewish temple and synagogues and causing disunity among the people. Now, if he can show that there are no legitimate ties between life in Christ and Judaism, then he can paint Paul as one who's out to destroy Judaism, a recognized religion, by the way, within the Roman Empire. Paul gets his opportunity to reply to the accusations beginning in verse 11. He points out that when he was arrested, he was strictly observing the religion, the religion of Judaism, which he had embraced for his entire life. He was not doing any of those things for which he's being accused. As a matter of fact, Paul was serving as the sponsor for some Jewish men who were offering the required sacrifices for the Nazarite vow when he was arrested. How much more Jewish can you act? While Tertullus referred to Christianity as the sect of the Nazarenes, Paul refers to Christianity in verse 14 as the way. Paul's attempting to show that the way is a natural extension of Judaism. He doesn't deny any of the law or the prophets, but rather embraces them. And besides, where are these Jewish accusers who witnessed the profane and seditious acts of Paul anyway? When he was being accused, where are these people? Paul was kept in prison, sort of, for two years through the end of the term of Felix, the Judean governor. Felix was hoping for a bribe from the Apostle Paul, but he never actually got that. But because he was anticipating that bribe, he summoned him from time to time to talk religion and to probably see how the bribe money was coming. Paul, well, he just kept on witnessing, writing, and preaching to whomever would listen. Felix kept him in prison to keep the Jews happy, but gave Paul a good bit of liberty. It was like a minimum security prison arrangement with a Roman centurion as a bodyguard. What an opportunity for Paul. 
share the word with influential people while under the protection of the Roman government. It turns out that Paul's greater opportunity was realized from prison. Can you imagine that there were simply countless numbers of believers praying for Paul's release from prison, not realizing that unique opportunities for service were available to Paul because he was in prison? That's why praying for wisdom is so important for believers. It very well may be that our way is not God's way. We should pray to know God's way. Incidentally, the first time Felix introduces Paul to Festus, he leaves him bound just to impress the Jews in verse 27. I should point out that we deal with a good many characters in in Acts chapter 24, 25, and 26. And so if you're looking at the written notes of BibleTrack.org, you'll notice on the left side there's a yellow box that contains the names of all these people and who they were and what they did. In Acts chapter 25, Paul appeals to Caesar, verse 1. Now, when Festus had come to the province, after three days he went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Then the high priest and the chief men of the Jews informed him against Paul, and they petitioned him, asking a favor against him, that he would summon him to Jerusalem, while they lay in ambush along the road to kill him. But Festus answered that Paul should be kept in Caesarea, and that he himself was going there shortly. Therefore he said, Let those who have authority among you go down with me and accuse this man to see if there is any fault in him. And when he had remained among them more than ten days, he went down to Caesarea. And the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, he commanded Paul to be brought. When he had come, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood about and laid many serious complaints against Paul, which they could not prove, while he answered for himself. Neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar have I offended in anything at all. But Festus, wanting to do the Jews a favor, answered Paul and said, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and there be judged before me concerning these things? So Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat, where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as you very well know. For if I am an offender or have committed anything deserving of death, I do not object to dying. But if there is nothing in these things of which these men accuse me, no one can deliver me to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, You have appealed to Caesar? To Caesar you shall go. Well, we see that regime changes can be a pain. Now Festus, wasn't that a character back in the 1950s series Gunsmoke? Well, anyway, Festus, he's taken the place of Felix after two years in prison in Caesarea on the Mediterranean coast about 60 miles northwest of Jerusalem. Festus is wanting to please the Jews, so he allows them to bring up their charges against him once again. They want him transported back to Jerusalem so they can assassinate him on the way. But during the course of the new trial, well, so to speak, a new trial, Paul rejects the idea of going back to Jerusalem and, in the process, appeals to Caesar instead, a request that, right here in this passage, is granted. Beginning in verse 13 of chapter 25, we have now a new character involved, King Agrippa, verse 13. And after some days, King Agrippa and Bernice came to Caesarea to greet Festus. When they had been there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, There is a certain man left a prisoner by Felix, about whom the chief priests and the elders of the Jews informed me when I was in Jerusalem, asking for a judgment against him. 
To them I answered, It is not the custom of the Romans to deliver any man to destruction before the accused meets the accusers face to face and has opportunity to answer for himself concerning the charge against him. Therefore, when they had come together, without any delay, the next day I sat on the judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought in. When the accusers stood up, they brought no accusation against him of such things as I supposed, but had some questions against him about their own religion and about a certain Jesus who had died, whom Paul affirmed to be alive. And because I was uncertain of such questions, I asked whether he was willing to go to Jerusalem and there be judged concerning these matters, But when Paul appealed to be reserved for the decision of Augustus, I commanded him to be kept till I could send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I also would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, he said, you shall hear him. So the next day, when Agrippa and Bernice had come with a great pomp and had entered the auditorium with the commanders and the prominent men of the city, at Festus' command, Paul was brought in. And Festus said, King Agrippa and all the men who are here present with us, you see this man about whom the whole assembly of the Jews petitioned me, both at Jerusalem and here, crying out that he was not fit to live any longer. But when I found that he had committed nothing deserving of death and that he himself had appealed to Augustus, I decided to send him. I have nothing certain to write to my Lord concerning him, Therefore I have brought him out before you, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after the examination has taken place, I may have something to write. For it seems to me unreasonable to send a prisoner and not to specify the charges against him. So while it appears that King Agrippa, by the way, King Agrippa too, had no real authority in this matter, he takes a shot at hearing Paul's story as a matter of curiosity. He's visiting with Festus when Festus tells him about the dilemma that he has of imprisoning a man, being Paul, in whom he can find no real fault. Festus is just looking for ideas in the matter. Since Agrippa has been ruling over Jerusalem, he probably regards himself as somewhat of an expert on these kinds of issues. Festus explains that he's already on his way to appear before Caesar, but it'd be nice to have a descriptive letter to accompany him stating the charges against Paul. And he's kind of clueless as to what should be written as capital charges against Paul. Just looking for some ideas here. It's under these circumstances that Agrippa hears the Apostle Paul. Paul addresses King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26, beginning with verse 1. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, especially because you are expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They knew me from the first, if they were willing to testify, that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise our twelve tribes, earnestly serving God night and day, hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. 
And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commissions from the chief priest, at midday, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. For these reasons the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand, witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that the Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead, and will proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Now, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king, before whom I also speak freely, knows these things, for I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention since the thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. When he had said these things, the king stood up, as well as the governor and Bernice and those who sat with them. And when they had gone aside, they talked among themselves, saying, This man is doing nothing deserving of death or chains. Then Agrippa said to Festus, This man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. In the first eleven verses, Paul makes his case that he'd been a very observant and zealous Jew prior to his conversion. He even persecuted those of the faith that he now trusts, even going so far as to force them to blaspheme if he could. In verses 12 through 18, Paul talks about a miraculous conversion on the road to Damascus. At that time, he was commissioned according to verse 18. How could he do anything other than what God commanded him to do? It's interesting that Paul emphasizes the Jewishness of the occasion when he mentions that the voice he heard from Jesus was in Hebrew. In verses 19 through 23, Paul describes his actions after his conversion. Now he just preaches what the prophets and Moses proclaim would come to pass regarding the coming of the Messiah, and he does it all in good conscience. Now, let me give a special note here regarding one's testimony. 
Notice the simplicity of Paul's testimony right here in this passage. It consists of, number one, who I was, number two, what happened to change me, and then thirdly, who I am now that I have trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. About that time, Festus interrupts Paul in verse 24, proclaiming that he's mad. Not a criminal, just mad. Paul respectfully rebuts his remark and appeals to Agrippa. Subsequently, Agrippa replies that he almost believes. At the conclusion of the session, Agrippa and Festus discuss Paul's situation. Were it not for his appeal to Caesar, he could be set free in their opinion. Bummer. Well, actually, prison turns out to be the best place from which to serve God effectively for Paul. In prison, he was permitted by the Romans to write and teach about Christ under the Roman protection. As a free man, he would have constantly had to concern himself with his personal safety from the Jewish leaders because they all wanted him dead. I mean, here's the reality of the situation. Paul did some of his most effective evangelism while in Roman custody and because of Roman custody. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walter.